Welcome back, Michelle. Thank you. We, I'm happy to be here. We stole you back from exile. <laughs> yes, I was in exile, but now I'm back. It's nice to be among the living. And you're back for an extremely special episode. A very where, special episode. <laughs> yeah. We are not going to review any song tonight. No. Um, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to title this episode yet as we're recording it, but most likely I'm going to try to leave it as a little bit of a surprise here. But this episode, I had the, what what I would like, I'm going to guess is a once in a lifetime opportunity to talk on the phone with Stephen Page uh, and interview him and ask him some of the questions we've been coming up with on this show um, about his songs. It was an amazing time i will admit completely as you're listening to this please don't be judgmental because i was totally starstruck and doing my best to get through and um, i also was only given a short period of time so uh please forgive me if i don't like build on his questions or his answers and and i don't go forth i i do sound very rushed that's because i had a large number of questions i wanted to make sure i got through and at the same time I did want to talk to him. I wish I'd been able to sit down with him because that would have been a much more flowing type of interview. So it doesn't flow very well but because I was trying to get through all the questions. Uh, but sit back and enjoy this interview and have fun. It was great. We did have some audio problems that did occur during the recording. Uh, there was some interference and feedback that happened from one of the phones and that caused a lot of my audio to feedback and re-record over it. Uh, so I have re-recorded the questions using the transcription notes that I have and tried to keep the words exactly the same. But you will hear there is an audio difference, and I do want to be upfront about that. However, I did once again try to keep the words uh, right down to the last uh, word the same. Enjoy! Stephen, it's an absolute pleasure to be talking with you today, and that, to me, is a major understatement. Uh, your music has entertained me during moments of joy and has helped me wallow in my sorrow, and it's helped me with my stress during periods of darkness. And Stunt came out during my graduate program years, and Who Needs Sleep was my theme song through my whole dissertation. Right um, on. So it, to say it's a pleasure is really a major understatement. I would just like to start uh, by... Nice to hear. Thank you. <laughs> I would just like to say and start, and as probably many have, with an honest thank you. For My all pleasure. The... Oh, I'm glad it is. I have some questions about some of your older stuff, if that's all right, and then transition into yeah, some of the newer material. Yeah, whatever you like. All right. Um, I do a podcast called Bare Naked ABCs, and on it we discuss all the Bare Naked Lady songs in alphabetical order. Uh-huh. And one of the patterns that we have noticed and we've found in, is that your bridges often are kind of the resolution or the revelation or the intention of the song um, or the meaning right. of it. And, and at times, the aside to the audience, to use a theater kind of speak. Yep. We call it Stephen's Bridge of Reveal. <laughs> is this technique something that you do intentionally or is it sort of your fingerprint in music 
Well, I mean, I love writing bridges. Like, I do think it's it's a thing that it's an opportunity inside of a song to break out of the kind of the repetition of the verse and chorus. And it's also an opportunity to walk into a different space. That's how I always visualize it. It's like a door has opened and who knows what's on the other side. Like it could be a darkened room. It could be a rainbow. You know, it could be all kinds of different things. And for that brief moment, you can kind of paint another whole picture or another angle of the same picture. So sometimes, yeah, I think quite often it is like that. It's the aside, the audience. I do like, I like bouncing back and forth in a song where it sounds conversational, but it's with myself. And then you have yet another section where it's an aside that says, here's what I'm really saying, but, or here's what I really want to say, but can't say out loud. I love that metaphor. That's great. (laughs) Moving on to the next album really quickly. In Alternative Girlfriend, what is the line... I love you. Now you cannot pretend there's nothing left that won't cross over. What does that line mean? Oh, cause at, at least at, at that era in the, in the nineties too, the concept in art, but also in politics was about selling out the fear of, of selling out or being seen as a sellout and then crossing over, which is kind of the co-opting of what well, we saw as progressive culture by the corporations. And you know, I use that same kind of idea again in songs like Queen of America where it's about kind of the, the progressive and artistic ideas get co-opted for Pepsi commercials or whatever else and have crossed over from the germ of an idea into something much, much more mainstream and then also potentially watered down. So using either the relationship in the song as a metaphor for that, right. somebody kind of a regular schlub who's with somebody who is far more risk-taking and and edgy and interesting, perhaps, or so he sees, might be the ultimate sellout for her for being with a schlub like him. Very interesting. Wow, we didn't have that take on it at all. That's really great. Well, what was your take? Well, we were kind of looking at it just kind of as a exploration of the alternative girlfriend in both the sense of alternative as in, like, not with the current girlfriend or wife that I'm with, but also the other form of alternative as in like the alternative scene that was kind of going around at the time. Um, right. And... Well, that's all, all right. Like that is all what the song is dealing with those two kind of definitions of alternative. And then the so crossing over would be like crossing over from the alternative to the mainstream. Right. You yeah. Know? We didn't have that political piece in there at all. That's really interesting. Yeah. Thank you. All right. We have questions like tons of them here. So hold on. I'm trying to get them in relative succinct order here um with be my yoko ono Uh you have that line in there hand in hand and hand in glove does this refer to the old term like hand in glove that kind of means in association with or collusion with and were you referring to how dedicated they were to each other at the point in their efforts in music and art yes exactly as a young person and i'm starting my career in art it was something that was really appealing to me. It was exciting, the idea of of something that was, you know, a, a relationship where you'd be so intertwined that it would kind of take over all parts of your life. Mm. You know, and that's essentially what the song is saying. It's like people people who don't understand that, were, it's easy to dismiss John Yoko's relationship, but once you have a handle on the fact that, like, you want to be with somebody in everything you do, it makes perfect sense. Wouldn't you give up everything else for that? Yeah. That's such a beautiful song. And especially with the the meaning of it as well. Like it's a fun song to listen to, but it's such a deep meaning too. 
as a young person, it's one of the, and it's one of the earliest songs that I wrote. It was a great way to kind of figure out how to write songs too. Hmm. <laughs> so, what did that song kind of teach you in its in its progression? I think what it taught was like that was a perfect example when when you look back at like the bridge. You know, Ed sings that bridge, and he wrote that bridge, and I had written everything else around it, and that was quite often how we in the early days used to write songs. But he was able to encapsulate what the song was kind of about in a very brief period of time where I could give more metaphoric use in the verses. Right. Well, that's interesting. You guys used to trade off like that with your with the songs and the bridges and, and adding things mm-hmm. in like that. S- sounds like it was a very collaborative process. Yeah, absolutely. It's an in- intimate process, too. Mm. Do you mind if I talk with you a little bit about the um, As You Like It CD slash theater process? Yeah, of course. Yeah. The whole album, by the way, was absolutely beautiful. Uh, we explored it as a as a whole, just because it's hard to break down the songs that didn't have, you know, were just instrumental. Right. So, can you tell me a little bit about the decision to use that song? We noticed that that the album and the lyrics specifically came directly from Shakespeare, but can you tell me a little bit about the decision to use "If Music Is the Food of Love" from Twelfth Night? It was an idea that I had. Well, I was working really closely with the director of the play, Eric Shimolino, and he had said to me it, it was a, a party scene going to be happening, and he wanted some kind of, you know, hip band. This whole thing took place in, in our production of it, took place in the Summer of Love in 1967, and I thought, well, really, and he wanted something that was kind of dark and hip, so I thought, well, imagine, imagine if the Velvet Underground were playing at this party. Ooh. And they're playing one of their older hits. So that's why I thought, like, we'll play one of Shakespeare's older hits because there wasn't actually text to go with the song in, in that scene. So I thought, as a, almost as a joke, let's have the band in the background playing a hit from an older play. Very intriguing. Wow. We also noticed that Lover and His Last, like even the reprise, were moved around from their original spot in the play. Was that done only for the album? Was it done in the show as well? I think it was probably just done for the album. We probably just resequenced the album to make it kind of flow the best way we thought. Oh, okay. But that's my guess. My guess. I, I would think that if it's, we probably, you know, although there's cuts made to the play, I think as far as order of things go, the, that probably stayed the same. You recorded the album and gave it out to the audience on opening night, and there were copies yeah. online. But you know, of course, the album itself is extremely rare. Did you record it for Coriolanus and Bartholomew's Fair as well, and then not? Or did you do the same thing for those? Or Well, so, uh, as you like it, so in that situation, like I wrote the, the songs and then Bare Naked Ladies recorded all the music, and then that became the music bed for the performances on stage for the cast to perform. And I think that season, that CD was sold in the, in the gift shop at the festival as well. In following years, there, I don't think, I, we haven't sold any of the other scores that I did, because all the other ones were done just that I did myself, and I... I haven't released any of that stuff. Oh, well, that's too bad because I we on on the podcast really loved the album, and we mm-hmm. we saw that you guys did two more shows or that you wrote for two more shows, and we were like, mm-hmm. oh, we'd love to hear those. <laughs> I've actually done four more shows. I also did Macbeth and Hamlet after that. Really? Yeah. Oh, but I considered putting was... together like a best a best of compilation of stuff from those other shows. Well, if you ever do, you have at least one album already sold. Actually, you know what? There's three more, because there's also Cymbeline, too. It's another one I did. Oh, interesting. Yep. Yep. Wow. So you ha- you've you been doing quite a few of those shows since then. Yep. Wow. Yep. A lot. 
was the reason that As You Like It was never actually released to the mass audience. I think it, it might have been available on our website at one point, but that, that's it. I don't know. Beyond that, I think it was just one of those things that kind of fell between the cracks, that it wasn't really on purpose. That it didn't, I think we just didn't really regard it as a proper album. And I think our management at the time didn't really value it that much, so it wasn't something that, that ever got pushed. Although I do love the record. I think it's one of the greatest things we did. Oh, it's it's absolutely, like I said before, it's beautiful, and beautiful describes it perfectly, and it fits in so well with that play. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great production. They did a beautiful job. Going into some of your rarer stuff again, going into the back catalog, we have Back and She's on Time, along with a lot of other songs, such as McDonald's Girl and, and such. Can you give us a little into the insight into the thoughts about reasons that Back and She's on Time never made it onto an album or a Rarities album? Well... Yeah, back, I mean, it was recorded for Pirate Ship, and as what happens quite often is you record more songs than you could use, and you save some for B-sides, and I think we just felt like it was like a, you know, we enjoyed it, it was lots of fun for us, but it was, it just ended up not making the cut, so ended up being a B-side, and then uh, She's on Time, along with Long Way Back Home, were the two bonus tracks on Stunt, although I was really... I mean, I think they're both great songs, and, and I had thought that She's on Time would have made a, for a great track on the album. You know, you always have to negotiate with your bandmates as to what, <laughs> what songs make it and what the order is and everything else. But when it came to doing, like, the Rarities records and stuff, I wasn't involved in that, and I'm not sure what, what their decision process was. I'm kind of surprised that it wasn't on there. I, like, I don't think, like, Ballad of Gordon wasn't on there either, was it? I, was, I always thought like that would be a good one. It wasn't. I was actually going to ask a little bit about Ballad of Gordon and how that came about to be, and then kind of were there any things that kind of restricted that from ever kind of getting a proper release? No, I don't think there was because it was actually it was something we got through Sire Reprise, our, our record label at the time. But yeah, it was I guess Fox Kids Saturday Morning Cartoon Block was looking for kind of PSAs about diversity and equality and so on. So we wrote this song and got to bring the, the Martian from the Gordon album back and do this, this fun video. But it never became, it never got released otherwise. Yeah. So I, this actually is a really good opportunity then to kind of switch to some of the newer stuff, um, if, yeah. if that's all right with you. Of course. So Gordon was very experimental with a variety of sounds, tempos, rhythms. You know, by choosing songs that you did, the band appeared to be kind of to trying to show all the different aspects of themselves, which really over time became more pop focused. And although with Bare Naked Ladies or Me and Men, you guys, again, got very experimental. Right. After you left, your first couple albums, which happened after very little time, again, appeared to be very eclectic. So you have like techno, tango, Shakespearean again, kind of the 80s rock, and of course, folk rock and pop rock. And then yep. you also, on the second album, you, you had, like, big band kind of sound with Leave Her Alone. You had Calypso with Mama. Yeah. Um, 70s and and country Mexican kind of sounds. And then you also were playing with chords and notes and harmonies on, like, things like There Is A Melody 1 and 2. Where does yeah. this come from? I think it's just always been kind of around in my brain. And just whatever I hear and whatever I listen to, I just don't, I've never liked being restricted by the boundaries of it. I love pop music and I love the, the form, but, you know, think about, you know, my favorite band always has been and always will be the Beatles, and they were never afraid to try whatever styles they felt best suited the song. And, you know, so making an album like Page One and then the Kill Yourself record are like opportunities to try things, to experiment. That's what music is for me. 
and I think that does that goes all the way back to Gordon, and, and that, you know that was the joy of making Gordon back then was the the fact that we didn't feel any boundaries at all. Yeah, and I think it definitely, like I said before, it it sounds very eclectic, like Gordon did. That's cool. That's a, that's a, I I'm flattered by that. Do can we expect more of the same on the next album? Yeah, I mean the the next record has a whole bunch of sounds as well. It's got a, it's got another big band song. It's got some very sixties influenced stuff. It's a very eighties influenced stuff. It's got a lot more kind of classic soul and R and B styles as well. Hmm. So you know that's pretty fun for me to do. Yeah, those sounds like really interesting types of music to kind of delve into that I haven't heard you go into a lot in some of your other albums. Right. I think, you know, I think there, there are common threads. I mean, some of the songs will draw a line back to songs like whether it's Box Set or Break Your Heart or Wizard of Magic Land or whatever else. There are similarities. You know, they come from the same guy. But, you know, I've also grown as a musician and I have other musicians I, I get to play with now who, who bring new things to the table. Yeah. I don't want to get too much into the past and stuff with bands and stuff, but what's it like with your new trio? Well, the the two other guys. Well, is it three or two? Because I know you say trio. Yeah, so it's myself and two other guys. Okay. We're, the, we're the trio. Okay. So is it Fox and Northy? Yeah, that's right. So what's that like touring with them? Like, what's the personality, family kind of feel there? We have so much fun together. You know, we've all known each other for a long time. But we really, it's a very, like the traveling together is so laid back and lots of laughs. Everybody's got their own things going as well as the trio. But at the same time, you know, those guys really, they have this a similar, it's amazing to me because it's not, they don't have the same stakes that I do in the success or failure of it. But when, when we're on stage or when we're working together musically, you wouldn't know that. I mean, we really are super focused and musically, it just really gels now that we've been doing it for a couple of years together, you know, the vocal harmonies and the way the cello and the guitar and the piano and so on intertwine together, it feels like magic to us. Can we expect to hear some of their harmonies and music playing on the... On the new record? Yeah, they both sing. They're, they're all over the new record. I know it's Craig as well as The Odd play on, uh, on a lot of the, the record. And yeah, Kevin and his cello are on it as well as uh, both those guys' vocal harmonies. Oh, that's but the other thing. Oh, I I love to sing harmonies. My one of the things I really enjoy the most in the studio is is writing and recording my own harmony parts. So although I do have those guys singing on it, there's certain times where I feel like it's important to have their voices in there. There's lots of other times where it's, the fun for me is backing my own vocals. Hmm. So speaking of your next album, I personally love both versions of There Is A Melody on Heal Thyself and how they bookended the album. You named your second album and the upcoming third, you named them Heal Thyself, which if you move the space becomes Healthy Self. Do you feel that through the process of the albums that they've helped you to heal to become a healthy self? Are there some songs that have helped you along that process more than others? You know, I don't know. I feel like in some ways the best way to ach- that I've achieved wellness has been in my personal life, I think, more than anything else, in my family life. But I think that I've been able to apply that back to music, which has made me, A, more productive, and B, happier making it. And it allowed me to survive on the road a lot better than I ever did before. Hmm. I mean, music is therapeutic, but it's also, it's also intense. And I think you can... You can let that intensity 
overwhelm you sometimes. Hmm. Discussing Heal Thyself real quick, the first one you named Instinct, the upcoming one's named Discipline. Is that correct? That's right. And I noticed that on the song, there is a melody too, that you actually use the phrase Instinct and Discipline. Yeah. Having ingested your music for 25 years, I believe you to be a very deliberate man. What is the importance of these choices for the names of the albums? Well, once I realized that I was going to be kind of putting this out as a a two-parter, I felt like those two traits and those two skill sets are the things that that help me both do the work, the musical work, but also I think that those are, in a certain way, the, the the keys to the help sometimes like that sense of like trust your gut trust yourself don't always second guess yourself but you also need to have the discipline of sitting down to do the work and don't expect it's just going to come to you oh very interesting i want to switch for a minute to your experience what has your experience with the fans been like since the juno awards have you received a lot of people asking you about getting back together with the band is that uncomfortable for you Oh, it's not uncomfortable for me, but it's it's persistent. And I mean, that's, and there was a time because it's never gone away. I've always had people asking me to get back together with the band, or is that going to happen, or when is it going to happen, or whatever else. And you know, I was really pleased and moved with how well people responded to my reunion with the guys at the Junos. And I've learned over the years how much the band and the songs have meant to people who are fans and, you know, what it, what it represents to them, like in, in their own histories, their childhood, their college years, their marriages, whatever it is. And happy to be, like, you know, honored to be, to be a purveyor of that. So I'm not uncomfortable with people asking me. I just also don't want to get people's hopes up if they feel like that, that's the thing that, uh, that they can aim for. I really don't know if there's ever going to be any other kind of reunion beyond what we just saw. But I really enjoyed what we did and was happy that it happened. Well, thank you for your for being so clear about that. I appreciate that. You did request for your European tour that's coming up. You're, you've been taking requests for songs. Um, sure. Will you be doing that for the U.S. tour as well? Well, I'm always curious to hear what people want to hear. The last time I went to the U.K., I, I had done that, and I was really surprised at the number of requests I got for Tonight is the Night I Fell Asleep at the Wheel. And I've, I've done it live before, but I had, hadn't considered it as something that a lot of people would want to hear, and it became a big part of the show. Wow. Can I throw one in early? Yeah, of course. So, I'm. by the way, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you're going to be coming back to Portland, Maine. As, as a person who lives in Maine, it's always fun to not have to leave the state to come and see you. My pleasure. And so it's great that you're coming back and doing such a, a nice, intimate area. And if you can, I would love to hear either Break Your Heart or New Shore. Those are amazing songs. Awesome. I can pretty well guarantee you'll hear New Shore and Break Your Heart. Uh, as long as I'm in good voice, tends to make the set quite often, too. <laughs> well, I'll be happy. So it's one of those ones where I feel like my voice is like uh, not going to hang on for the next few shows. I, uh, I, I, I'm never one to... Uh, to do anything by half. It's like I've either got to give it 100% or, or uh, find a, try a different song to sing. Right. Well, and that's that's a really tough song, I'm sure. Well, you know, the yelling doesn't, doesn't do my throat any favors, but it's a big part of the song. Mm. I'm switch back to some of my earlier questions, if that's okay. Just because I wasn't sure how yeah. much time we would have left, so 
Can I talk to you a little bit about A? Yeah, sure. What was the applesauce and algebra like? There, like a lot of them, we understood like kind of the relational kind of discussion that was kind of going on there. But the A for applesauce and algebra, like those were interesting lines that were like, I'm not sure what he's what he's trying to get to with that. Can you explain a little bit about those? So what is it? A is for A is for applesauce, a favorite meal. What's what's the algebra one? A is for a. algebra. Oh, I can't think of it off the top of my head now. Um, <laughs> I think I just I use I think I used algebra as an example of something difficult, or at least difficult for me. Applesauce was kind of an in joke between me and Ed. It was like a fake band that we talked about at one point called Applesauce. Ladies and gentlemen, Applesauce. Something that Ed had said once, and I died laughing. So sometimes songs just have those little in jokes thrown in to make the other guy laugh. But you know the challenge of the song was to try to just to to use obviously songs as words that start with the letter A as a way to describe a person and tell a story at the same time. So there's a sense of kind of, there's a glibness to the character, I guess, that, that I think allows him to, by being glib or silly or dismissive, allows him to avoid discussing the real parts of his life. Right, which you, you almost kind of get to with the bridge in that song, if we're correct. That's right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very interesting concept and in, in way to approach such a difficult subject. Yeah, and I guess it was something I was I wrote a lot about at that time. You know, it wasn't always me trying to talk about myself. I mean, I certainly played a role in those things, but you know, I watched a lot of people. Uh, I think when a lot of people go through these things, they just don't say them out loud. But they feel like they want to make a change in their life. You know, like uh, for instance, a song like "Upside Down" is something that I think a lot of people can relate. I was not ne leading nearly as stagnant a life as, as any of those characters lead. You know, I was leading a relatively exciting and, and fulfilling life, but at the same time, there's part of your psyche that says, I need to change myself, I need to change my environment, I need to change everything about me if I wasn't so afraid. And that's kind of what A does, or, you know, A suggests that perhaps it's harder to change than, uh, than one might let on. Which is similar to something that you come back to with the song Indecision, if, if I'm correct. Alcohol. Are you talking to alcohol, apologizing for blaming it for the relationship problems, as well as to the woman for having the problems with alcohol? Yes. Yes, it is. I like the song because it, it doesn't make a declaration that alcohol is bad. It also doesn't make a declaration that alcohol is good. Alcohol is is responsible for mistakes and bad behavior and stupidity, but it's also something that can be convivial and fun. So it kind of like allows for both of those realities. But yeah, I think we get the sense that this guy, you know, he says, I love you more than I did the week before I discovered alcohol. So you know, now that I've discovered booze, now I really love you. But, you know, the question is, how sincere is that now that it's influenced by substance? <laughs> right. <laughs> With angry people, is this a song that's about people who are kind of lambasting you and criticizing you online after everything to everyone for the causes and the political statements that you've been making with that album? Um, I don't think it's that specific. I think it's more our response to things like the beginnings of like the Tea Party in the United States and, and things like that. The sense of like that there were the anger can sometimes stop you from hearing other people. And that anger can be constructive, and that really is a reflection saying, like, I'm angry too, but I'm angry about, I'm angry at myself, 
you know, you might hate the government or immigrants or whatever else you might hate, but I'm too busy hating myself. That's really what that song says. Oh. That's where we just drag them down till they're just like us. It's like it's really about angry people, and 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 sometimes. You know, that's what I think we see now online in the, in the world of, you know, Twitter trolls, whatever else, is like people are angry for the sake of being angry sometimes. And there's something else that they're angry at. And they're directing it all over the places, spraying their their bile. But at the end of the day, it's just about trying to make people hurt on the inside as much as they do. Right. Yeah, anger can be productive. And we talk about that in lots of other songs. But in that song, it's talking about how it can also be counterproductive. Right. So it's kind of shining a mirror on society as well as shining a mirror on ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Baby Seat sounds like it was a song about growing up. And was that kind of inspired by the kind of Corinthians verse kind of focus of when I was a child, I did childish things. And when I grew up, I put childish things away. That kind of focus? Um, I think it's more about it's asking whether being an artist is is an, is an adult thing to do. Can you be a responsible person and also live a life of uh, that's kind of counter to traditional ways of living? If you're off searching for a guru, can you also be a responsible adult at the same time? Hmm. Okay. So I only have one or two more questions. Going back really quickly to Gordon, on the flag... One of the most serious and somber songs of the album, which I interpret to be about an abusive relationship. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's right. Did the woman or even the man in the song die at the end? And can you tell us more about the symbolism? So you have the forest, bluebird, steeple, etc. She's escaping. She's got. She's gotten on the train and she's she's leaving. So, you know, whatever the flag, the, the, the white flag of surrender to this guy, uh, the checkered flag, or any of that, it all gets shredded. It, it, it's gone. She's leaving that behind. So to me, it, it was always considered, I, I imagine it to be, to, but she's leaving with her future unknown, but hopeful. Hmm. That's a much more hopeful take than the other take that people have said online. That's how I imagine it at least. But it's certainly supposed to be, it is definitely impressionistic. It's not definitive, and, and that's, that's the kind of thing where sometimes I, I, I worry about giving away my intent because I like it when people get something else out of it, and that's how they hear it. You know, that, uh, that, I want that to be my gift to them, not mm. not my gospel truth. You know. Well, would you like me to cut that last question out then? Oh, no, it's fine. I, I don't mind if you know. I'm just telling you like that, that it is a hard, hard thing to decide whether or not to answer those kinds of things. Oh, yeah, Definitely. Really briefly, I want to kind of put out there that, um, and I know you probably don't remember it. Um, you've met a million people over the years. Um, but my first show that I went to with my wife, uh, we met you before the show. And my wife had a slice of pizza in her hand and she was eating it. And and you asked if you could actually have my wife's pizza. Um, and it was just, it was one of those moments that it made you so real to me. And it was hilarious. <laughs> I'm glad it was hilarious because I'm, I'm mortified hearing that. Obviously, we obviously I must have been in a good mood and, and could sense that you guys were were people I could joke with. Oh yeah, because she said, "Yeah, you're having." You're like, "No, no, I'm just kidding." <laughs> yeah. So good. <laughs> I'd be like, "God, I'd be, I'd be like telling my if that was my kids doing that, I'd be yelling at them." <laughs> <laughs> 
but it just showed us like you were you're such a honest person with who you are and you you do joke around as much as you seem to be in the songs um, sure yeah. so your songs are very much like in in the way that you portray yourself in your songs are very honest to you as well so sure yeah i'm 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 self-aware and I just, but I have a sense of humor about myself. But sometimes I think people don't recognize that I have a sense of humor about myself. But I, I definitely do. I'm, I'm I'm aware sometimes of how I come across on the negative side and also on the positive side, and uh, and I like to have fun with that. So when can we expect the next album to come out? September fourteenth. September fourteenth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. Um, I'm excited. I bet you are. So is, is is most of the work all kind of finished up, and you're just doing the editing at this point? It's all edited. It's all mastered. It's just being pressed now. Nice. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, my friends and I have a podcast, the Baronic at ABCs, um, and we're currently on the Bs. We're heading to the Cs by the time your this interview is released. I've incorporated as many of the questions as, as I could here. Um, but with each song, we find more questions as we go through. We're like, hey, I wish I could ask him that. In the future, if you're willing and you have the time, we would love to invite you on the show to discuss the questions. Um, and also, yeah, that could be, that could be fun. Yeah, anytime that you want to come on. Michelle and I are really deep fans, um, and we've loved getting into the deeper catalog. Um, so open invitation, just let you know, talk to the managers or talk to Ray and just let us know whenever you want to come on, it is open for you anytime. That's great. And I'll just keep collecting the questions as we go through. So. All right. Um, it's been an amazing pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for spending your time with me. Um, my pleasure. This, this has been a long time goal of mine. Um, and you've definitely exploded far beyond the expectations that I ever set up. They say, never meet your uh, idols. Fine but I'm glad that I have. Um, thank you so much. You are a deep poetic soul as much as your songs kind of have implied over the years. And thank you so much. My pleasure. Well, I hope you, I hope you enjoy the new stuff as well. Oh, I, I think I will. <laughs> All right. Great, great, great to talk to you. Have a good day and enjoy the European tour. Thank you very much. Take care. All right, bye. Michelle, I, I take it you've had time to, to listen to the interview now. Oh, my God. That was amazing. Tracy, are you still pinching yourself? I am. I still cannot believe this. You should name the... The name of this episode should be Pinch Me. It totally will be. <laughs> like it just hit me. Like, oh, my gosh. It has to be Pinch Me. I, at first, I was going to say a very special episode, like the Brady's, you know, like a very special episode. <laughs> Or family ties, but pinch me. It should. Maybe it'll be both. A very special episode, pinch me. There we go. Um, People will think we're out of alphabetical order. (laughs) They won't. They'll be like, wow, that was fast. Did two years go by already? Wow, what happened? Um, What an amazing opportunity. Oh, I, I was so blessed to have this opportunity. I can't even express at this point like how amazing i wish i had been in the room with him yes but to have the opportunity to be on the phone with him and just hear like the answers that he was giving he it, they weren't quick and short answers he no. was just expounding what a great interviewee he was i want to say number one i thought your questions were great you 
did concentrate on some of the old stuff, but not in a way that was like, oh, it's too bad you're not still with BNL. Like you just asked about his yeah. process, which I just, I bowed my head to you. Like, yes, oh. good job, Tracy. That was great. And, Thank you. And I have to say, I had to pinch myself when straight off you asked about the bridge the bridge section because to me <laughs> i mean for as long as i've been listening to bnl that has always been the thing that struck me is like steven like i just i just felt validated that what i thought his approach was to the bridge where he reveals all he he basically confirmed that yeah like and, and- that's what he's doing. It's a whole nother play. What did he say? It's like another room to go to. Um, yeah. Like there might be a rainbow in there. Like he, yes. his, he was so poetic, even in all of his responses. And he was what I thought too, like he just was grounded, you know, he was down to yes. earth and really willing to be part of the interview. I don't, I think going into it, I was expecting like, just with the whole um, Juno Awards and the reunion, like I just, I just expected him um, to be a little more off-putting, I guess, or a little more like because um, I've <laughs> seen him, I've seen him in a few things, I think, on YouTube where people have asked him certain things, or he was listening to certain records. I think he was listening to old records of BNL, and just like there yes. was a certain. Have you seen that? And it was just yes. sort of like. He's not into it. You know what I mean? And I kind of was feeling like he would just be a little bit like, mm. but he just answered he you. He was gracious he through was the whole gracious. thing. gracious, yes. What was your favorite part of the interview? What did you love? Oh, um, I, I would have to say, and I'm going to just take a moment. I'm going to glance down through. I mean, number one, I thought it was really cool, the whole thing about the pizza and you and your wife going to see them in concert and him <laughs> asking and him being horrified by that. Like, It was I, such an honest response from him. Yes, yes. You know, some people would, would just kind of gloss over it or, but he was just so completely honest with it and his reaction was just very genuine and I, I appreciated that so much. I just, I just feel like, Steven and I are um, connected on a certain level and like we're both sort of horrified by our younger selves on certain behaviors and and I'm sure everybody can relate to that but just the fact that he was I just felt like he was really open with you in the interview and I, I'm sorry to be hogging this this section of the podcast but hey I hogged the interview so. yes but um <laughs> He was just so open. I love the questions that you asked. You know, you talked about old, you talked about new. You know, it was it was not the same old questions that he always gets. You know, you dug into like the theory of the songs and the theory of what's happening. And and I also loved where you asked him about um, the song on Gordon Flag. And you're yes. like, is it this or is it that? And he told you, and then he was like, but you know, I like to leave it open for people to interpret. And um, I think I that th- was one of my favorite parts too, because it, one, it's gonna it's gonna make for interesting discussion down the road with us during the podcast. Like yes. we're speculating, but that's part of the point. We is- actually know what this was, right? And like, and that's something that you have all, you have mentioned the song flag 
several times. And that has been something for you several times. So for him to like <laughs> seriously address that and and tell you like this is what happens at the end. She's she's on the train and you know. Yeah, because that one was always one of those things for me that I never quite could. I had so many different theories about constantly mm-hmm. and kept coming back to it. And every time I heard it, I had a different take right. on what it could be. And it was so easy to interpret because it's so abstract. Right. So, but I like the fact that, that he wants it that way too. I mean, almost and, to one part, I was like, I almost wanted to cut that out. That's why I asked him the question. Cause I was like, wow, I don't want to ruin that for everyone now. Right. For all the people <laughs> who think like it's, it, for that it's curtains. Uh, yeah. I just, I just thought it was really, I feel like we really got behind the curtain. I feel like you did a great job. It just makes me feel like everything I've ever thought or suspected is true. Yeah. Regarding, regarding them. And it's not like, I also thought it was interesting. I'm sorry to just be monopolizing. I feel like, well, I haven't talked to you in a while. I've been in exile, (laughs) people, so I've got a lot to say, but I just... I'm excited for you that you got to do this interview. And yes, it would have been totally cool to like sit down with them, have a cup of coffee, have some pastry, and just reminisce about the last 30 years. Yeah. I mean, that's what I would have wanted to do. It would have been a great, and maybe we'll get that opportunity. He did say it would be interesting. I know. That was the other thing. I love that you asked him to be, you know, you invited him. Stephen Page, if you're listening. You're always welcome on this podcast. Definitely. He he was an amazing guest to have on because based on everything that we've said so far, he was just completely open about everything and willing to talk and just very relaxed. It was so it was like yeah. having a conversation. And I wish I could have had more of that, like just sitting down and having coffee and just talking with him yes. and, and doing the Jerry Seinfeld thing, you know, comedians in cars having coffee. Yes. Uh, but just sitting down and just having real discussions with him because he seems like that kind of guy that you could do that with. Oh, my God. Totally. So. Totally. Um, and I wish it had been oh. more like that because I wish I hadn't been crunched for time like I was, um, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, he's a busy man. So, um you know, yeah. and down the road, definitely, I would, I would, I feel more comfortable sitting down with someone and just conversing. Um, well, you can read them too. If you can see them, you can see what's happening or where things are going or what you can ask about, like body language and facial expression. You like, oh, I'm going to ask more about that. Or okay, clearly this is a topic that need I need to stop talking about. So we're going <laughs> to steer it over. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, over the phone, you can kind of get that, but like being able to see the person, it's a whole different thing. I think my going back to your, fa- you asked me what my favorite part was. Oh yeah, I think my favorite part in, in kind of scanning through and thinking about, I I loved a number of parts throughout this interview and my, this opportunity. Um, I think my favorite part, and it's weird because it was not the part I planned on like focusing on or even like spending any real time on was his response to how he reacts to the fans asking him about the Juno Awards and about getting back together with the band. And he was so, I I keep coming back to this one, but he was once again so gracious to his fans for the opportunity, for giving, for being part of their lives and, and what they give and the piece of themselves that they allow and how they let him affect their pieces. Like, 
the way that he worded all of that, and I cannot word it as well as he did, his response to that was so natural and genuine and just happy to be part of our lives and to affect us. That I think that was one of the most meaningful parts of that interview for me. Yes. And you know what's funny? It's like, it's just, it's not what I expected. Like, I expected him to have a little bit more of a wall, I think. You know what I mean? Like, I expected more of more of what I saw on that YouTube video with the records. Like, just that sort of, <laughs> dis- you, know, yeah. you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, there was a bit of a distance there. Um, but this, it was just like, here it is, and thank you, and... Yes, the bridge is this whole thing. And I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, I got goosebumps when I I was listening to that part. Like, I knew it. I just felt validated. (laughs) It was awesome. And I loved his response to the applesauce line, too. Like, knowing that that that's an inside joke. And then he puts inside jokes in there. Yes. Yes. I didn't even think about that. And it's, I just liked how relaxed he could be about talking about it like there wasn't any weird like oh those means to you. like no. he just sort of like like he's it just and it the whole thing kind of confirms what we had talked about about the juno awards and how you know we went into it hoping for one thing and that's not what we came out of it experiencing like it really was closure it really yeah. feels like closure and just his talking about it, it's like like, okay, we went through this, this is what happened, and now here I am. And um, I loved when you were talking about the trio. Um, they, if you haven't, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube, um, it's Steven and the two um, guys, Cra- the trio of them. Yeah, Craig and Fox, or yes. Northy and Fox. I think one of them was, yes. Um, they do a version of Jane, and <sighs> it's stunning they're in where is he in i think he's in he's in england but i think he's in leeds like in this little teeny pub and they're doing jane and he's you know the cello the string section it's it's just one guy obviously but it's gorgeous oh yeah and it just i love that you just were able to talk about i just liked the balance of your interview old and new well thank you i thought that was good because I, I would have been all about born on a pirate ship and nothing else. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been asking I would have been asking about conventioneers and what the hell was that all about? Yeah, we didn't like, we haven't gotten to that song yet, so I hadn't. <laughs> but that's why I brought up Flag because it's one of those songs that I've always wondered about and thought about. So, right. No, I would have talked about. Although I thought it was great um, when you mentioned "Break Your Heart" because that is you know. That's the real deal. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I would have tried to get the backstory for conventioneers. Like, <laughs> okay, come on, Steve. Well, if we ever get him on again, then definitely we'll have to. I call dibs on the conventioneers right. so- question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other things that you want to make sure we highlight? To me, as I, I could have talked about him talking about the bridge the, for this whole thing. So um, that, to me, was just priceless like to have him talking about that aspect of his songwriting was just it the hair on my arms just stood on end you know what i mean like there it is i knew it i just felt like i knew it yeah 
And it, it does define so much of his work without people. I don't think people identify it enough, but it is something that is very distinctly Stephen. Or oh my gosh, totally. And and I like how that kind of came about. Like, so you have Ed that and him collaborating on a lot of stuff, and I, I really enjoyed that part where he was talking about be my Yoko Ono, where Ed wrote this way, and he was very very straight to the point. Whereas he, you know, he got to be metaphorical with the rest of the song, and then Ed just was right straight to the point with the with the bridge. Yes. And I think that speaks a lot about how they used to play. And it's it's interesting that it's not... He mentions the Beatles, and he, re- he mentions it very quickly. But you can see how much that they were really influenced by the Beatles, because that's how the Beatles used to write things, at least in their early days. And, in, and what I would say in a lot of their earlier music that was a lot... Not better, because their later stuff got much more experimental... Um, but when they collaborated in, on their later stuff, when they collaborated, it was phenomenal. Right. It's the stuff that I missed with the Beatles was when they would collaborate and add things in with each other. And Right. I do hope that he puts out that disc of, of Best Of with all of his yes. Shakespearean stuff that he did. I did not. I love that. You're like, well, you've, you've got at least one sold. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining in today. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, I also will be posting an article that kind of summarizes all of this, as well as the transcript of the of the uh, interview itself. So enjoy all of those little tidbits. And we will be back with another episode next week reviewing another song. How exciting. It is. What a treat. I hope it happens again. I really do. Anytime. Stephen Page, if you're listening, you need to come on and we're going to talk about conventioneers. So be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the rest of BNL, you have now been served. <laughs> Stephen has been That's on the right. show. So now we want the rest of you on the show as well. And dear Ed, we're going to talk about thanks. That was fun. So oh, yes. You be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Along with a lot of other ones I love. So. <laughs> yes, for sure. Thank you very much, everyone. And speaking of which, thanks. That was fun. <laughs> yes. Pinch me. <laughs> Pinch me. Pinch me. I'm still asleep. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 